welcome to the Mock Stars podcast. I am Evan Kunai, one of your uh, resident Mock Stars, and I'm here with Jordan Garcia. Yo, what up? And Christopher Ritter. What's poppin', Pepperheads? Nice. It is another day in the studio, and we are so excited to bring you a very special episode with two finalists from the Fall Brawl in Issaquah, Washington at Laughing Dragon MTG. But before we get into that, if you would like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing to us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up, ring that bell for more notifications. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. Give us a five-star review. It goes a long way to helping new people find the show. And join our Discord server, where we're constantly popping off. And on the side from that, we also have a Patreon account, which you can uh, sign up to be a supporter. And when you do, you'll get the Pepperhead role on the Discord server, where you'll gain access to two exclusive channels. The Dr. Pepper channel. It's the best channel. It's the best channel. Best soda, best channel. Nothing better. lore. Honestly, just Dr. Pepper memes. I'm not downplaying that. Hopefully, it is the not best just, channel on. It is Dr. Pepper memes. Yeah, there we go. And I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you consider that the best channel. <laughs> this is the number one podcast yeah. on the internet for Magic the Gathering and Dr. Pepper. You also gain access to the exclusive channel, Shower Thoughts, where we take a little bit uh, or we take conversations from that channel and uh, plug those into each in every single episode uh today we have our uh our one of our patrons justin who's going to be on the show today uh doing an interview with us so i consider that like an, a shower thought extra an extended shower thought <laughs> exactly yeah though. extended wait till you hear thoughts. them it's a lot of shower thoughts yeah. <laughs> it's a sauna thought so we're actually just going to get right into it we're going to jump right into these interviews uh just to preface it we have justin who is a pepperhead who plays third at the fall brawl playing rocco shout out and we have Atlas, who's been on the show before, who is a supporter of the show, uh, a big fan, and we're a big fan of his. You can find, if you would like a deeper insight into Atlas's brain or his mind and how he works, you can also find his podcast called Mana on the Rocks. He won the entire tournament uh, playing Kenrith, so uh, we're very excited for these interviews. Yeah, I don't know if uh, we mentioned in the interview, I forget, um, but got to check out that Kenrith primer that Atlas wrote. It is an incredible primer. Um, it, if you play that commander or you play against that commander, you're going to want to check it out. It, it's incredibly 100%. well written. Yeah, I don't know if you listened to last week's, but we had Tyler on, uh, and then with Justin and Atlas here, we went along with them in the conversation with their deck lists up. It was very cool going through it. Like these guys are very smart and very make very interesting deck building choices. It was cool getting to pick their brains about it. Yeah, you could sit and they could you could go through every single card choice. I think. And oh yeah, the interviews could have lasted a lot longer. You could literally do yeah. yeah an episode per you know card. Yeah, right. Endless material. <laughs> like listen to these guys talk. They will go off about why oh, in, in the deck. Atlas truly can go off about any card in that deck list. He's yeah. thought of, he's thought about every card. A hundred percent. Yeah, and it shows. I saw that he finally announced that he convinced the uh, Kenrith Discord server, like the dedicated Kenrith CDH Discord server, that uh, Cloudshift is better than Ephemerate. Did so, everybody yeah, shifted over? Everyone everybody finally cloud shifted. Yep. Bingo, bingo. You've been on it with these dad jokes. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, Anything that lets me fire <clears throat> off a finger gun at you. <laughs> and we have one more, technically five more exciting announcements for you guys here today. Buckle up. We are officially launching our tokens, which we're having, uh, sending them through production right now, and we'll have them in our hands soon, and we'll be able to update you guys more on that process uh, as 
Oh yeah, What's we can on? post up all the uh, we... all the art on social though. Yeah, if yeah. you guys were at uh, MagicCon in Vegas, you got a little preview We've of been it. Hyping them yeah. up. Oh yeah, but we're about to get these these babies in foil. So get ready, they are schmaxy, schmaxy, schmaxy. I like that. All right, let's jump right in. All right, bro. Well, let's get into it. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, sure. Love having you on the pod. Um, let's chat about this freaking tournament, dude. Uh, okay. You crushed it. Uh, so oh, so sick to see you and Atlas fighting in the in the top pod. Um, first, let's start off just kind of general vibe overall for you for the tournament. Like, uh, like so you brought Rocco. You brought Rocco. Oh, yeah. yeah, good Correct. good shout, good shout. Uh, your disgusting Rocco list. It's so good. <laughs> uh, did you make any changes going in for the tournament? I did. So um, I've been toying around with, and I know we talked about it of, what is it, pull from eternity? Because I never want to fight over my win cons. Mm -hmm. I want to present it, send it, and if it gets stuffed, just, okay, cool, it resolves and move on. And then immediately present another win con. Blue players run out of resources faster than you'd think. 100%. So it's just... I'm going to attempt to win on turn two, three at the absolute latest. So instead of that, though, and relying on my food chain getting force of negged, it was uh, add Underworld Breach to the line. Yeah, I'm going to have at least three fetches in the bin, probably a Grand Abolisher and hell, a squee, right? Who cares? It can exist wherever I want it to get that food chain or that birthing pod back into the list. It sounds like you're talking like a value, value underworld breach right now. 100% is all it was. Oh um, man. Love to see a value breach. Mockstar is big fan of a value breach here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm on Savine's wreck, but that's just cause it gets back food chain, right? And it gets back, um, squee and it gets back eternal witness. So that's, that's probably the big one that I haven't run. Um, but the last time I topped a tournament, it wasn't in the list. Um, and then the other one that I'm on is just literally the one ring. Cause if it's a good that, time. yeah, when that list gets, uh, um, stopped at like turn five, I need a way to gas back up. And so if I just send out a one ring turn three and draw cards, by the time I'm out of cards, I'm drawing four, five, six cards. Got to so say, that was, that was really the only two ads, and right now I don't really have any flex spots in the list. Yeah, for I, sure. I mean, the one ring is a great backup plan, I think, in any deck. Correct. Though, so just the sheer amount of card draw versus life loss compared to library, it's in another league by itself. Yeah, the amount of one rings and uh, Orcish Bowmasters I saw at this tournament was actually insane. So the the other line, though, that um, really not given a shit about Bowmasters was uh, um, Goblin Sharpshooter. Yes, dude. I love that you put that in the list. And when you played it against me, it was perfect at like the table texture that was happening right there. It was devastating. Mm-hmm. And so it's send the Bowmasters. And I'll try and land that turn one also if I can. Because then I don't have summoning sickness. I can, I can start to control the dork sitting across from me. Like, that's what I did to Jake when we were at that top four pod. It was, listen, the moment you go bananas, I am going to start 
picking your shit off. Um, and we know Sisse and Kenny aren't going to save you from that in the slightest. Right. So it's like, stay in check, keep yourself in check or I will. Correct. Yeah. But the, the, the value with the sharpshooter is less so the sharpshooter itself as go play a value Academy rector, sack your, uh, ranger captain to stop any shenanigans ping your rector twice dump splinter twin onto it and go ham with it that way yeah that's nuts yeah, yeah. completely uninteractable too i love that well saying you can applaud atlas on that one go figure speaking of top pods and actually that was part of our mexican standoff in the final four was the sharpshooter with the sharpshooter with a rector in play god i love that so much how mm-hmm. how soon before the tournament did you add in that sharpshooter? Um, no, the sharpshooter's been in hell. The sharpshooter's been in for months at this point. Okay. So when I first started playing Rocco, I was on like three quarter gas and one quarter stacks. Um, and then big shout out to Sasha. Um, she looked at me and was like, "Everybody's running stacks, Rocco." can we run gas rock on? I was like, I'm all about it. Cause you can't realistically run stacks and tournaments at 75 minute rounds. 100%. Like, hey, let's gas it out. And then it was, I think we need to add sharpshooter in as part of it. And I think we took out Avon mind sensor at that point as a one for one. Mm-hmm. And it's been in the list since that's a fun swap. I actually like that. That's a nice little update. Well, cause I don't need to fight it. The opposition agent in the black decks is going to fight it, right? My job at the table is not to police when I'm going that fast. Um, Go for the I win. I might hold yeah. on to a deflecting swap, but that's that's about it. I mean, you explained uh, your philosophy earlier on, which is just you're going to present and present and present and like let them stop you from winning. Yeah. I've played event- so, event against you enough to... like. 100% I just get that vibe from you without you even saying that. You just present wins all the time. I appreciate that. Yeah, so Sasha pushed the deck as far as I was comfortable with and then it was after um after I'd qualified for the Northwest Regionals, I sat down with Atlas and I was like, "Yo, this isn't fast enough for me." Um I think we need to take it to a consistent turn two and then allow me to hold up hands that will get me two, three, four, and five, and then one ring on turn five. So we went, that's when he said, yo, you need to be on splinter twin then. And then we pivoted to Preston and fooled around with, maybe we take Kiki out. Mm -hmm. Um, But we took out arena rector and just, if we draw into Vivian, great. If not, the plan is to um, go nuts with... Uh... God, what are my win cons, man? <laughs> I don't know. You win all the time. What are your win cons? Birthing so con? I have Preston Felidar yeah. as a win con. I have Kiki Felidar as a win con. I have the Birthing Pod Felidar line. Um, I have... Vivian Pod is a win line. I have Gandalf Mommy Cloudstone Curio as a win con line because that that allows me to flash out Cloudstone Curio and Squee at instant speed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which will then allow me to win on the stack as long as food chain's in play. Um, I can white main lion loop with mommy to bounce my Rocco, my wirewood symbiote, and dockside. Um, but then I can also present it, yeah, with sharpshooter and splinter twin. Um, and if I really have to, I can endurance loop and shovel my creatures back into my list and then start tutoring them back out again. So I can do uh, like three or four infinite mana and then win conditions. Uh, my favorite's probably the Preston one because I get to exile everybody's nonsense as well. Mm-hmm. No, I, uh, I it, it seems really fun. Like what I like about this is a lot of your combo lines are just like, these are the pieces that you have and it gives you so many options that you can just like build on what you have. And the the point I think in any turbo list is you really gotta just lean all the way into it and you can't really play irresponsibly. You can't present a win. It gets stuffed, present win two, force the table to stop you. And then the next player just wins. That's I think taken the most skill to learn, but um, I find myself doing, doing very much the same thing as I play more turbo of, tiptoe into it because you know one win con gets stuffed cool i'll do two the next turn then three on the next turn kind of thing yeah and especially like when you're if you are dedicated all in on turbo you're walking a much thinner margin of how many resources you have and how much you have to pull back from so like if you get stopped it is significantly worse than you you know a tim nathrasios deck getting stopped and they can just keep going or like blue farm blue farm getting stopped like your margin is so much thinner so you have to be really careful on your attempts because so we had we had mentioned in the um shower thoughts of what about etbs and nonsense on a stick right solid plug but then they started doing shit like elish norn and gandalf that double my etb yes dude guess Mm -hmm. what endurance does stuff on etb Solitude does stuff on ETB. Lauren does stuff on ETB. A twin Shot Sniper is an ETB that also kills your uh, Rector. It also kills... So if I, I have double ETB, I can layer it, kill the opposition agent, and still then kill my oh Rector. Oh my god. Yeah, dude, it's just so tasty. Every time I look at this list, it's tasty. It's so good. And, and so it's not just that it goes super fast, but it's at a point now and maybe because I played it so much that I can see the lines in my sleep, but everything synergizes with three other cards in that list. Mm -hmm. So I do like your point of your resources and your margins are so slim, but it's at a point where I can almost snap keep a first seven, which you do all the time. Be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say, did we talk about my opening seven in pod one? No, you, you kept it, but you didn't, you didn't show me. I want to plug this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was Ragavan, command tower, temple garden, food chain, squee, invasion of Akoria, and Boromir. Oh my God. That gets me a turn two food chain. And then I can go nuts. Right. Well, I top decked an Eladomri's call in a solitude which allows me then to not only ace somebody's commander, which I was looking at a turn two crom across the table from me, but on my LTB, I make six red mana to the food chain. Yeah, that's pretty hot. I love that. Um, 
And my average hands in that tournament were like that, except for the final four pod where, oh, and pod two. But when I have to go to five, yeah, it's kind of fucked. So so that's what I want to ask, actually. For a deck like this, where do you uh, typically see yourself mulliganing to? And then also, how are you playing this deck differently, like, you know, in turn order, you know, one versus four? (laughs) So... I'm going to answer the second question first. Go for it. Of, I don't care what turn order I'm in and who I'm playing against. I'm not playing blue. It's not my responsibility as the turbo player to police the table. My job is to become the arch enemy and I become the problem. So you're just totally, you You just, it doesn't bother you at all. I love that. Yeah. Your mentality is to win and just keep trying to win. All right. Yeah. Correct. And, I guess that can be that that that's not what we're supposed to hear, right? They say in CEDH mulliganing and what turn order and what seed order and who are my opponents. But I'm a bad control player. So yeah, you're you're I breaking just, both those big rules right there. Yeah, yeah. The um, bad boy of CDH yeah. over here. That's that's pepperhead <laughs> mindset. <laughs> Dude, definitely pepperhead mentality over here, for sure. And then um as far as what I'm looking for in my hand, I need a dork and two lands, and then everything else will come together from there. Realistically, the rest of the hand doesn't matter because I have enough weird ass interactions like a Lauren that Boromir says my force of wills can't stop me. Yeah, um, I love Boromir. He came into play when I won that pod. Um, it, it, it just it's all straight gas and value, right? Because Boromir also sacks, so I can't get stuck like on a, a Lavinia shenanigan. Oh, Boromir is an incredible card. Like, all around. Every line of text on there is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it allows me to just say, can I do something on turn one, turn two? And realistically, that's what I'm looking for. Two lands and a dork. And weirdly, I kind of hope for the pilgrim more than any of the other dorks because I'm so not green heavy in the list. Uh, Playing Avacyn Pilgrim, getting the white pip. Yeah, you have so much white and a lot of double pip white in this list, like Linvala, Karmic Guide, Grand Abolisher, Gandalf. Mm -hmm. Tons of white, Rancher Captain. Yeah, and it's... Linval is kind of the only real stacks heavy piece that I have in the list. I don't and know. You, you turn one oofed me and that felt pretty stacksy. <laughs> yeah. So that actually happened in the, um, the final four pod too, where Jake sat down, slammed a turn one, turn two, no rod. And I said, okay, if it's going to be that kind of game, fuck it. And I slammed a turn two oof, like the very next Oh my god! Past turn, great. Untap, upkeep, draw, collector, roof, and then the turn after that, I put down a Linvala to shut off the other three players. I hate this game already. That's awful. And and then the turn after that, I put down a mommy. Let's go. Yeah, yeah that's awful. Um, and I know Mother Machines is a stacks piece. But I don't see it that way in my list, right? I mean, it's kind of a combo engine in your deck. I mean, well, that's... I don't know, Elish Norn. I mean, 
she's just another car that's like every line of text is good. It's a four Correct. seven with vigilance. The first block of text is good, and the second block of text is good. I mean, kind of looking through your deck right now, like it to me, this is like a no bad cards nihilist. Like mm-hmm. it is how I look at this. Like every single card provides so much value to your deck. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's it's taken a long time to get it to where it is. Um, I don't re like honestly. The only fluff right now, if I had to change anything, would be Underworld Breach, and that would literally just be pull from Eternity, right? Uh, just to make sure that I can get my exiled food chain or uh, birthing pod back. Right. Also um, pitchable to um, Solitude, which is nice. Correct. Yeah. Um, is there anything you see in the Doctor Who spoilers or in the uh, Ixalan spoilers yet that might make it to the list? So, not for Rocco, but because I like Naya uh, and and I love stacks, mm-hmm. and I, I would I would say that if I got ninety minute turns consistently, I'd probably go down a Jetmir list. Yes. That dinosaur that makes your historic spells seven sevens in addition. Yo, I know that's so good. I will force myself to play anger, <laughs> kill it, and just go ham. I love that. Uh, you uh, actually bringing me up to my next topic here. Um, I only have a few questions left for you. Uh, it's actually about like tournament structure, right? Um, we've kind of gotten to a point in CDH where we've figured out a lot of stuff, right? This is less of the Wild West. We're starting to have some consistency between tournaments. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have, you know, the end all be all uh, for structure. Right now, well, a lot of times what we're seeing is the 75 minute with turns rounds, right? Um, what is your opinion of of this? How do you feel like, you know, this tournament ran, this structure runs, and would you have, um, you know, what would you like to see maybe for healthy structures moving forward? I know you're talking about these 90-minute no-turns alternatives. So I guess this will be my big shout-out. Marcus runs a phenomenal tournament. Oh, 100%. Was, we were one minute late into paw or into round four. Yeah. That's insane. No, yeah, that he's the GOAT. on time. I think number one, you have to allow players the full hour if you're going to go to turns. Saying that the players can't get a lunch because that pod went 45 minutes over, that's fucked. And there's no other nice way to say it. Um, yeah, I mean, when some people like are, you know, we get an hour long or more, depending on how long our game was, to go get lunch. And then other people are, you get maybe five, 10 minutes. And, and you're your going baby's stuck there till midnight. So yeah, you're yeah, at a exactly. Disadvantage now because you're yeah. Going new it's a huge mental. Yeah. I'll say, or maybe the TO says, "I will order this table." I don't know McDonald's, and it gets Ubered in. They get to eat on the tournament. Okay, I can handle that. I don't mind if some of my entry fee goes towards the table that literally is not allowed to lunch because that player is going to get just absolutely bodied in the round of 16 if they make it that far. They're so hungry, mm-hmm. they're so tired. Yeah, it's such a bad he- uh, headache after after that day. I can only imagine if you didn't eat at all. Well, fuck, Atlas was given 10 minutes to go into the final pod. Yeah. That's crazy because it just went, the semifinals in his pod went like two hours. And 
sure, I'm chomping at the bit now. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I just want to play. Um, so I think if you're going to do either the last round, that's when the timer starts and Eminence sends all the players a text that says 45 minutes starting from now, I think a half hour is healthy enough. Just go. Players need to do their homework and say what's within walking distance or driving distance for 30 minutes, right? Um, or you just don't allow turns. I guess option C would be you can't go more than 20 minutes. So we either go to turns or time at a specific amount. And if you can't present a win on that player's turn, then it's just done. Slow plays a thing. You can get a tournament warning for it. We're holding this shit at Comprel. Yeah, that's what we were talking about is like if we pivot to this 90 minute no turns format, how much more important uh, slow play enforcement becomes. Uh, I'll be on your ass about it. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really come up a ton like right now. Um, And like, I I think like when it's like literally 90 minutes and then that's the game, like I think 100% people are going to be way more uptight about it. Yeah. And I think. I'm also weird. I, I would take it to the extreme and say you have this phase to get through. So if you're in main phase, you don't get an attack phase. You just done. Um, unless you in main phase can present an infinite combo combo, like cool. Tivit cracks his time save and off they go. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever you got it. But no, but, like end of turn nonsense. no, no, it's done because some of these end of turns can That's 20 minutes. Correct. Um, we went 105, 110 minutes on some of these rounds on yeah, Saturday. 100%. That was so what's the point of 75 minutes? Yeah, 100%. Like I, I had multiple games go 45 minutes into turns. Well, what, what about you two? What do you think? I have a preference for quick play. Like, obviously, you have to allow for decks to do their thing because there's unfairness, too, in limiting the length of the round, right? Because mm-hmm. there's more complicated decks that just naturally require longer turns, and that's not anything about slow play, right? Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, we're not in a perfect world where there's perfect answers, but at the baseline, you do have to respect the player's time and it's a collective thing, everyone's time, and you need to figure out a solution that gets you to a place where, like, hey, the round starts now, the round ends now, you have an acceptable amount of time between rounds, you know, to mentally get back in place for the next round, like, you know. Um, but, yeah, I have the preference for, for shorter rounds, like what you're describing where games might go two hours if it's just like that. It sucks. It's not fun even if you're winning. Yeah. I mean, final pod was two and some change. Yeah, it's just like exhausting, dude. It's so wearing. Uh, I totally agree. I, I would like to try more 90-minute no turns. Um, this was something I was pitching as well because I think for me, part of it is the amount of draws that come out of this, and yeah. which will which will still right, which will still happen even in the 90 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Part of it, what I was pitching, is I think changing the mentality of like, playing for a draw as being a a viable means of playing to an out. Um, I think if there was a a change in point structure, there's a potential where maybe drawing and losing are in fact the same treated the same Then playing for uh, playing for, there is no playing for a draw. 
like you are exclusively doing what CDH is supposed to do, like in mentality, is you are playing to execute your game plan and win. There is, but by incentivizing draws, we are now incentivizing players to play other alternatives and playing towards drawing versus winning the game, which was what we see a lot of times going into turns is just, I need to tank everything into making sure that this person does not win. Um, so I don't know, might not be the right play, might be the right play. Uh, but for me, I think it, it kind of creates a healthier dynamic um, and also alleviates drawing as much as we are right now. Until we try it, how can we say it doesn't work? Yeah, totally. And I think there's space too where like you're having both types of tournament structures, like because not every solution works for everyone. Like, you know, you can have the designated hitter in one league and not in the other league, you know, in baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, right now at 75 minutes, I'm going to say it again. Stacks is inviolable. So you just completely cut out a, a, a type of list will not be playable in TEDH. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you're, you're crafting a meta of which is what is actually viable and that pool gets smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where players can assist with prep too going in, we do a lot of practice at comp with a timer and force us to stay to it. We do 75-minute no turns when we're practicing. Yeah, better better practice. Like, keep, hold like your pod accountable. Also, like, knowing your deck list and knowing your lines is a skill issue. Like, you know, it, it benefits you, not just, you know, the collective, everyone to play faster, be able to play faster. Correct. And that... That, for me, gets into the, I have no issues with proxies. I'm all about it. But if you're going to proxy up a list, you better be putting 10 to 20 games in with it before you come and sit down at Mm -hmm. a tournament. All these fun new arts and stuff. I just don't want to. If I'm going to lose a game, I want to lose a game to four, three other players that know exactly what their deck is designed to do and not... I'm going to put this card on the stack, not knowing how it's going to interact with a majority of the thing. Like if you sit down and don't know that the Linvala is going to shut off Sisse and Kenrith, and then now your blue farm player just motherfucks the table. Well, that's on you, dude. Oh yeah. No, I, I've sat down at so many tables where someone who proxied up a deck uh, wasted everyone's time looking through the deck figuring out what they should tutor for found mm-hmm. the wrong thing and then fucked up the game for everyone in the process <laughs> of doing that like did oh, everything I... wrong along the way you'll love to see it I, I think there is like you know we've had this discussion before of the difference between cdh and tdh and not always is tdh a welcoming environment for new players and people need reps going into these situations they are mm-hmm. tournaments and it should be taken like as such uh yeah, I got... I... oh go ahead I think it's also our responsibility for those of us that have put in the time, put in the reps. Um, I don't know. Do we start calling out salt more often? Like, yeah, it's time. And it's there. Some of these tournaments aren't cheap, but don't be so unwelcoming that a new player is not going to want to come back. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, we have to 
grow this format to make it more legitimate. You know, we have to welcome people and teach people. It is not an easy thing to get into by yourself by any means. Well, and judging, calling a judge should be less stigmatized. Go ahead and call that judge. If you feel anything's wrong and off, they'll sit and they'll hover and they'll get a vibe for the players that may or may not be the healthiest for the environment. And they'll peek and look over the, the tables and keep an ear out for it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, yeah, like working with judges and stuff is super important too. Um, and just kind of building, like, I mean, like I will say like your guys' community is awesome. Like building a community like that is super welcoming to new people. And you guys mm-hmm. bring in a ton of new players into the format as well. Um, okay, dude, I got one last question for you. Sure. Um, this, I don't know. Maybe you got this right off the bat. Let's see. What do you identify about your gameplay that makes you think that you are a good player? Is it like, you know, something like, what do you do that makes you, in your opinion, as good as you are? Is it, you know, you know, in the deck building process, is that really where your spark shines? Is it, you know, mulliganing and planning? Obviously we talked about DQ to seven. You don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> you know, is it like threat assessment, politics, you know, where do you think like, is that thing that you have? So I can be talked off a cliff 10 out of 10 times. So not the politics in the slightest. <laughs> um, I will sit down at a table and have a smile on my face the whole goddamn time. That's true. I just want to play magic. Um, I feel where I shine is deck building. That I will spend hours on Scryfall and just say haste or enter the battlefield or sacrifice and put in one keyword and a color and give every single list. And I'll start at the back of the list and come forward and try new shit out. So as an example, when I was fussing around with a Staxi Araco, I put in a card called Rysorian Badger. It's a reserve list card. And it says when it deals combat damage, it doesn't. You exile cards from an opponent's graveyard. You know what that does? That fucks brain freeze. But (laughs) nobody's ever going to see that card. Those are the type of stuff that I like to do. And I'm not upset about losing at my weekly locals. So I'll put together a list, try it out. If it doesn't win a game in 25 matches, I'll put it aside, but I'll give it 25 matches. Damn, I love that. Yeah. I love Your whole approach is so like zen. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other one, and I'm going to give a big shout out to my buddy Jason. He and I will shit and or sit and shoot the shit playing four decks. We'll play our main lists and then put up proxied lists across in seats two and four. We'll play them face up. And so we can see all four hands and then correct misplays. How would this list play in this situation? And we'll play three, four games at a time and just get through a list. Would it win? Would it not? Should you counter here? Should you eat this? Should you react? Is this a good time for an endurance? Should I jam a thoracle here? Collect roof isn't the right choice at this point. That's actually and, really yeah. cool. No, that's I've, great. That's, I've never heard that before. No, that's like a red teaming. If if you ever played uh, sports, Just, nope. Yeah, okay. Evan's, Evan's not here, my friend. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it is literally that, and that has helped my threat assessment out tons so i just 
I might not be a good control player, but I know when to react and start to save my win cons and push for the second one and push for the third one. Um, Also understanding people sitting across from me. Well, I have nothing for this. Great. I'm running a second one out there, but Damn, that's actually some great advice. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how much I like mulligan decks and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how much more fruitful it is to do what you're talking about, how much more you take away from that. It it allows you to see, like, if I'm sitting across from an Urza, I know what a good Urza 7 looks like. If Mm -hmm. I'm looking across the um, seat at Tevishrog or Blue Farm or whatever else, I can also say... Let's let's use Tevish Rog um, or Rograk as as the example. That's either turbo or stacks, yeah. N- having played enough fake hands against this list, the first two turns are going to tell me what it's going to try and do. I love that. Yeah, really working and training the threat assessment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that has allowed me not to have to worry about mulliganing. But yeah, don't be afraid to use a Scryfall either. (laughs) It's your best friend. Dude, I love that. Thank you so much for hopping on, dude. It's been great chatting with you. No, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, you have such a fresh perspective on the game. It's great. I appreciate it. Yeah, 30 years. We're going to keep doing it. Uh, Next event for you, dog. Where are we going to find you at? I will be at the the regional championship down at Next Level Games. Yep. I will be playing Turbo Rocco. Let's go, dude. All Are right. you making any changes between uh, Fall Brawl and that tournament? I realistically think I'm going to make the flip to pull from Eternity, but okay. the rest of the list will be the same. Let's go, dude. It's hot tech. I want to see it. All righty. All right, my man. Thanks for talking. Adios. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> that was a wonderful interview uh, with Justin. Thank you so much, Justin, for your time and being a supporter. Now, moving on to our interview with Atlas, who actually won the tournament with Kenrith. Let's go. Howdy. Hello, Chris. How's it going? Well, well, happy to be on. Uh, yeah, dude. Thank you so much for being back. Uh, once again, congrats on crushing it. We are interviewing you guys for the Fall Brawl tournament we just all had. Um, of which yeah. Atlas here placed number one with uh, Kenny. <laughs> yep, yep. Dude, I love finally. it. Finally. Yeah, you say finally. Is, has it been a while since you've actually like taken a dub? Uh, not not a dub, but I've I've top four the last two of them as well. The last two like tournaments put on by CDH, and so it uh feels good to actually finally win one. Yeah, How yeah. long have you been on Kenrith? Uh, good oof, question. Years. Two years. Oh, yeah, okay. you, you you do not bounce around a lot. You bounce around I, in your list, and that is it. Yeah, mostly. I, I like I toy around with other stuff occasionally. Like I'm actually just I'm sitting at my desk right now, putting together this Angelo the Painter list that I've been tinkering with. But dude, I'm um, they're mostly there. just for like to break up when I wow. after a run of tournaments or whatever, I'll break it up by playing something a little different. But okay, it's we, always it's always Kenrith. We, I'm gonna hit you up later. We actually need to talk about this Angelo list. Yeah, because you've played yeah. Angelo, Jordan. I. Now, and I've looked at some Anhelo list too. It seems yes, super fun. Yeah, so yeah. I like I want to build a TEDH Anhelo list and make it work. So that's a little side project of mine right now. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll Dude, talk. I am actually super pumped about that. Okay, getting distracted. Um, let's talk about this freaking tournament. Um, uh, one, how do you think it went as like a tournament as a whole? What was the vibe for you? 
Oh, I thought it was great. Um, the the CDH tournaments uh, are super well organized, just as a whole. Um, the CDH group is really put together, and so their events are always a blast, and they pull out a lot of members from the community who don't turn out to other events, so it's always really good to see other players that show up to those events. Sure, there's a, a, a pretty nice like guest pool there. Like The people there are awesome, like getting to see everybody all at once, and places like from people I just see in like little bits all around. Um, pretty yes. much everybody shows up for that, which is great. And yeah, Marcus and the guys just, they organize a really good tournament. I feel like this is the third one. This is, this was the cleanest, most like tight one yet. Very smooth, very smooth to play in. Um, I was talking with him a little bit about just like different stuff regarding organizing and it's, it's all, they're always seeking to improve. It's really nice to hear. Yeah, it's great. Actually, um, so I do have, that's one of the topics I have tonight. So let's start there. Yeah. Let's just jump into it. Right. Uh, yeah. So. I mean, how do you feel about the current, you know, state of tournament organization, right? I feel like, you know, it is obviously, you know, a person to person situation of like, depending on who's organizing it, the rule set we go with. Um, but 75 minutes with turns seems to be kind of the the new norm. Um, obviously, there's some outliers and stuff. But uh, what do you think about that? And do you think there is, uh, you know, like ways we can improve uh, promoting, you know, healthier gameplay for tournaments? That's a really good question. I think that... 75 minutes with turns is is a very balanced uh, way to do it. It feels really good as a player, just, like, doesn't feel like you get, like, shorted on time by someone else trying to storm off close to, to the end of the round or something. Uh, but on the other side, like, it's really for an organizer sometimes because if a match does go super-duper long, they're going to end up... Um, they're going to end up over time and that can push the schedule back and it can make hard, make it harder for the other players and the TOs, right? So no, there's also a lot to be said for 90 minutes. I think it's interesting that you said uh, that 75 minutes turn seems to be pretty standard. I've been seeing a lot of like 90 minutes no turns everywhere except for like the Pacific Northwest, actually. Interesting. I mean, that could just be from, you know, my very limited pool, but I pretty much played tournaments in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, I mean, that's fair. I, I just like from looking at like, different announcements on like discords and things like that they're like oh 90 minutes no turns seems like 75 minutes has sort of fallen out of favor a little bit because it doesn't it makes it easier on the tournament organizers which i've played a couple of events at 90 minutes as well and it it honestly feels it feels fine it's like there's a feel bad every now and again where it's like oh man we spent so much time deliberating and stopping them i didn't get my turn where i was gonna win but i mean at the same time, it avoids jank where it's like I was playing around uh, this past week at the the fall brawl event, and uh, I was a because we went to turns on the person right before me was turn zero. Uh, I was able to kill them because their life total was not enough in order to make sure that I got a second turn so that I was able to like play around the timer somewhat. So mm, I was able to get wow. two turns. So that's like, and then I was able to win because of that extra turn. So it's like, they're they're like positives of seventy five minutes where you don't feel slighted, but there's also like negatives where sometimes players are in a certain position to be able to play around the clock like that. So yeah, it, it sort of like gets into new strats. Like that's a very like galaxy brain play that you just did there to get an extra turn in turns, which, you know, <laughs> you described as feel good, but maybe for the other players <laughs> in turns, yeah. you know, the other two people, uh, who only got one turn to your two, it's a feel bad, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I like, I felt a little guilty doing it, but also like, it's totally within the rules. It's and within it's, the like, rules. Yeah. It's such a dope like, play. It's not even against the, against like the social code or whatever. Right. Because it's like, when you die, there were this many, there were this many turns in the pool when you, when we started. And if someone dies, like there's still that many turns. It's just, that's how the game works. And so like, it's just, but it does feel a little, a little, 
I was felt guilty doing it, but also I was like, I'm going to do it anyways. I, I mean, I, the options available to you, like it, it's a tournament, like it, it's not in your interest to to not do that, right? Do, yeah. do you have a preference as a player for 90 minutes for 75 plus turns, or? Um, no, I just like to make sure that I know what it is going, like, going into it. I was, I was playing one event a while back, and they didn't announce what the round structure was. <laughs> and, and so, like, coming from, I had been playing a bunch of events that were 75 minutes with turns, and, uh, and then this one turned out to be 90 minutes no turns, but they didn't announce that. So we got to time in the round, and everyone's like, all right, time in the round, active player, turn zero. But, and, like, once you finish your turn, the game is over. And we were all going, wait, what? <laughs> So, hmm. so you um, find like like with Kenrith and everything, there actually isn't a big difference for you and your playstyle. Uh for me and my playstyle, I don't think so because I am able to. My deck does a really good job of keeping pace with what other decks at the table are trying to do, and so if other decks are trying to go fast and slide it under the time limit. I know that their hands are going to be really fragile, their decks are going to be really fragile, and I basically just have to stop them once, or get them to stop each other once, and then I will be able to just, like, do whatever I want, like, just play Magic on solo mode for the rest of the round, like, in general. Um, that's just kind of like how the turbo the turbo matchup goes, because my I play a lot of creature stuff, and so it's hard to interact with. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you say that, especially as kind of, like, the on the opposite side of things as the turbo player, you know, I... I'm seeing a ton of creatures because they're so hard to interact with and stuff. So I'm constantly facing these kind of uh, threats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely something. And the fact that people have started playing Toxic Deluge and whatnot again is something that I've had to start keeping in mind, like just in my games. It's like, okay, right. this person's on Grixis or Rakdos. They're probably, there's they're almost certainly playing Deluge. Like I have to make sure that I'm not overextending and getting blown out by a sweeper like that. Dude, I play Deluge and I play Rolling Earthquake. Get, get wrecked. <laughs> oh, I love Rolling Earthquake and people. They just never see the a card. card is really, really good. It's super funny. Uh, yeah, so like in this tournament, like what did you see? Is it pretty much like, you know, par for the course what you expected? Um, were there like surprises, any hot new tech? What did what did you see? Um, I, it was a lot. So the, the past two CDH events that I played in, um, it was a lot, a lot stacksier. We were seeing a lot more like rule of laws. We were seeing a lot of just different like, like oof style effects. And I think the entire event I ran into, I ran into one definite, no, I ran into two deafening silences and I ran into one null rod. Um, and uh, both, two of those, the, the rod and the deafening silence were in, um, were in my finals game. And so, uh, there was like but yeah there was like almost no stacks compared to previous uh events that i've played in the pacific northwest it was a lot more stacks heavy like even like rule of law um a lot more oof uh people were playing things like um curse totem which i know that one or two of the decks were happened to be on uh on saturday i just didn't run into them in bracket so you're saying you just saw a lot less stacks though it could have just been me, like, dodging it, um, but at the same time, yeah, I saw a lot less stacks. What did, what did um, you see a lot of? Just the mid-range, or...? Tons of mid-range. Everything was everything was a grind card. Like, uh, basically, I'm going to put this in play, and I'm going to let it accumulate value. And there was so much, like, so much Timna, so much Mystic Armora. Uh, I'm trying to think if I saw any spicy ones. Uh, it was a lot of, lot of Rhystic Study, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Saw two or three One Rings, I think. Yeah, can I ask um, about that? Because I have a card choice uh, question on your list. Absolutely. Where you're playing stunt double over Phyrexian Metamorph. I, I assume oh, that's that's oh, the oh, one for one there. Go off, go off, go off, go off. And I know you had an interesting play involving the stunt double, so I, I do want to delve in on that. Yes, absolutely. All right, so I have I have two cards that I've come to consider the truth of CDH as far as like <laughs> as, from a control player's perspective, and they are Cloud Shift, which I will happy to go off on. But um, it to address your question, Stunt Double, um, it's just clone, but they added Flash to it, so it's strictly better. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, and the reason I got off on this tangent too is because you mentioned the One Ring, and I think a lot of lists will play Phyrexian Metamorph for the the One Ring reach, copying the artifact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so strong especially when you like eldritch into it and then have it enter the battlefield as a copy of the ring anyways it's like it's pretty busted um but as a control player i my whole philosophy is draw go and so i like literally a port from like modern and legacy where i'm just wanting to like throw a land down on my turn do anything that i have to do on my turn and then pass to you and play super reactively because one of the things i have discovered over the past like two years three years since i started just like playing cdh pretty pretty intently in general um is that silence is like one of the best effects in the game and uh the silence effect occurs naturally when all players are out of interaction and it has also occurred that is true that That is that is a facet of it yeah yeah that is when all players are f6 uh silence (laughs) just occurs and so it has occurred it, it occurred to me as a thought one day where i was like hmm well if silence is a card that i'm never attempting a win without anyways basically um why how can i get more silence effects i don't want to play like three fairy because i think that card is really bad um and i know that i know that it's not but i just i hate playing it as a player who wants to say play my card and pass i never want to pass to another opponent and give them the option to do something where uh the other two players can't interact with them and so uh my thought was well when all players are out of interaction um silence occurs how do you figure out if all players are out of interaction? Well, when somebody else puts a win on the stack and everyone's like, yeah, I can't do anything. And so when I was like working through that and that's when I decided that all of my win conditions needed to be instant speed. Um, and so because of that, uh, I have a couple of different options to do with stunt double. Um, just because it has flash, like I can copy other people's storables, which is a card I don't normally play, mm-hmm. but like I can copy a Doxed Extortionist and then go into my turn with a bunch of mana. So there's just a bunch of different options there with Stunt Double because it has flash. And because I'm using other people's cards, like they're making an investment on their turn, getting stopped and then passing, someone else puts a win on the stack, and then I can win over the top of that win after everyone has confirmed their F6, basically. No, that's rad strategy. Just, uh, you know, we've, uh, I think in the podcast part of the episode, we talked a little bit about how timing is so important in tournament EDH. Like, you know, uh, the wins are going to come, you know, figuring out the the math on timing, really, a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Every deck should be able to win pretty much, you know, if you're just goldfishing, you should be able to win every single time. That's why we build and play these decks, you know, so it is... And now also because of that, we also build these decks to stop other people from winning all of the time. I think you, I love I love hearing this philosophy because it's very unique, but it's also very real. It's just like this one window is a guaranteed slot to win. It just happens to be right before the other person wins. Yep. Yeah. They put their thoracal trigger on the stack with consoles. Like everyone's going to use all their counter spells to stop the console. Um, 
which if it gets countered, great. You have more time if you don't think it's right. And if it doesn't get countered, uh, then you have a chance to shoot for it over the top. And if you fail due to something, like you were going to lose anyways. So it's not even that much of a feels bad in my opinion. Love that. Yeah. Shoot your shot. Yeah, that is just awesome. I love it. This deck is uh, just super crispy, super cool. clean. I got a, I think, less interesting uh, card choice question. Uh, why Slaughter Pact over Deadly Rollick? Okay, so you think that's less interesting, but I promise you it's actually really good. <laughs> so um, so a long time ago, I was playing uh, I was playing Path to Exile as a second removal effect, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's one mana, it's really efficient, punches four and five color decks, uh, but like it doesn't, outside of like exiling a creature for one white and it gets hit by mental misstep, it's not realistically all that good. If you hit something in a low color deck, they get a basic, so it, like if you're hitting their commander in Goto, it effectively is like, oh, well, did you top deck a land? I guess there's no command tax. Um, so I was looking at different options and I was talking with some other players. And so um, Devin, who is a, a five color CSA player from Portland, they're very, very good at the game. And I was asking them for opinions on like removal spell choices because I was struggling a little bit with um, with Draineth Magistrate at the time, uh, which is something that I've come to deal like have to worry about a lot less since then. But they recommended, they said, play either Deadly Rollick or Slaughter Pact. And between the two, I was looking at them, and Deadly Rollick has two main, main like fallacies when I was looking at it for my list. One is that it's a four mana removal spell if your commander's not out, and my commander costs five mana, so uh, it's not always out. It's not out early, and so it's not an early removal spell, which is can be problematic. And uh, the second one was that you can't tutor it off Spellseeker, and so I decided that Slaughter Pact was going to be a little bit more flexible for what I needed. It's free when I need it to be free. You can pay for it on turn one off a dark ritual. Like there were a couple of things about it where I was like, okay, like niche scenarios, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But as I was developing the deck and figuring out my primary combo lines, I came across um, what I have since like dedicated my primary as my primary combo line is um, the Eternal Witness combo with uh, with Displacer Kitten. Um, they're like three or four different permutations of cards that you can go infinite with, but one of them is Slaughter Pact, where you cast Slaughter Pact for zero, targeting Eternal Witness. This triggers Displacer Kitten, flickers your Eternal Witness, um, which means that your pact is going to fizzle uh, because there's no legal target once it gets back to that as the topmost object on the stack. So you'll never have to pay for your pact, um, but it also allows you to get a new ETB trigger on Witness to pick something up. So with just like just a dark ritual or a couple of other different cards, you can cast the Slaughter Pact targeting the Eternal Witness, flicker it, um, and then pick up the dark ritual. And now your your pact goes to the yard, tap a black, cast the dark ritual, flicker the witness, pick up the Slaughter Pact. And now you can use dark rituals three mana to pay for its one casting cost and generate infinite black by paying for itself um, because your other spell is free. So it's kind of like a secondary cloud shift in that regard. That's very sick tech. Yeah, are you fine? You're losing anything by the uh, it has to be a non-black creature that that doesn't come up that often, right? Because you know any the, any commander that would have black is it's actually in their color identity a lot of the time rather yep. than yeah yeah. Um, the cards that the three cards that I think come up the most are Timna, which honestly just like make a bigger board, which my deck excels at, and I can pump other people's creatures. I play Forbidden Orchard to tech against Timna. Mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't come up as as much. Gilded Drake Timna's a lot too. Uh, but the the main two are Opposition Agent, which hurts sometimes, uh, but I have a lot of other removal spells for. Um, 
And then also, uh, the biggest one really is Dothy Voidwalker, just because my deck does use the graveyard a lot. For sure, um, yeah. Dothy can be problematic. Thankfully, it's only two toughness, and I have a lot of, like I said, a lot of other removal spells that hit it. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but it comes up occasionally where I'm like, damn, I'm sitting on the slaughter pack and I can't, I can't hit this thing that I really want removed. But it does hit the biggest, the biggest problem creature for me. Uh, well, two of them are Linvala, Keeper of Silence, and um, uh, Elishnorn, Mother of Machines, which are both white, and so Slaughter Pact hits those. So it's like, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, no, I like yeah. that. Is there a reason you're not playing Delty uh, yourself in this list? Gilded Drake's a really good card. Okay. <laughs> and so is Opposition Agent. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, you've told me not... that this is pretty much Gilded Drake control. Yes. Is your yeah, deck. it kind of yeah. If you're playing a board, my my goal is to make your board my board, more or less. Uh, there's a lot of tech you can do to abuse Gilded Drake, but other people play clones as well, and so I didn't want them cloning a Dothy or Draking a Dothy or like opping me on Neoform for two and taking Dothy because my deck can. There are certain games, certain points where my deck is really vulnerable to graveyard hate, mm -hmm. so I didn't want. I didn't want other people having the option to play a Dothy if they weren't already playing one, or like to be able to play a second copy of Dothy. Checks out to me. All right, I have a third card choice question. Let's go. And Absolutely. This is, this is not about a one-for-one. One. This is about how you're playing the card. Uh, I'm going to assume that this is the first big tournament where you're playing Tally and the Kindly Lord. Uh, the... I believe it is. I think it is. I think the last one I was competing in... Uh, Italian was like one week away from release. Got so, it. So, yes. so my question is, what are you naming when you're playing it, and what are you seeing your opponent's name? That's a great question. Every time I see someone else play that card, it names two. I think I've seen someone else name one or three. I don't know. I, it happened one time. Somebody was like, I'm not going to name two. I'm naming this number. And I was like, wow, that's really weird. Everyone always names two. Um... Which I think, so before Italian even got released, I fell in love with the the design of the card, like just the artwork, all of it. Um, and so I ran a bunch of like analysis about the numbers that were popping up in CEDH. And we can call them magic numbers. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think you had this conversation in the Discord, in our Discord. Yeah, yeah, I think I did. It's like, so two is the statistically the most prominent number across the board. Or sorry, not two. One is. Um, one is the most prominent number across the board. Um except in very specific decks, like Crick. Um, and the reason for that is that there's a lot of interactive spells at one. Um, a lot of tutors at one. Uh, the problem with naming one as, a, as like the static choice is that most of the developmental spells in the game, and I found this after talking to some people and like re-reviewing like the analysis that I'd done. Um, so on second look, all of the developmental spells fall on two, uh, whereas most of the interactive spells and tutors fall on one. So if you're, I, I basically boiled it down into a, into a single philosophy. Of if you're playing Talion into a stalled board state, two is the best one to pick because you'll draw the most card. You'll probably draw three to four cards on average per cycle. Um, that said, there are certain cases, such as if you're fighting like a pod of green decks, or if you're fighting... Uh, you're about you're not in a solid board and everything is about to become heavily interactive and reactive uh, where you'd want to name one because offer swan song uh, swords like all of these interactive spells get hit by one as well as a couple of like a fair number of developmental creatures right 
So uh, so that will tend to draw you like a huge burst of cards within a single cycle, um, which can be super advantageous as well. Like, obviously, if you play a Rhystic Study, draw 15 cards and untap, you're probably going to win. This is kind of the same thing with Talion. You play Italian on one because you just feel that shit's about to hit the fan uh, and you're going to untap with like 10 plus cards. Uh, with the way that I've been playing the card, I've been setting it to two mostly because my deck... My deck excels in stalled board states, and so uh, and so a lot of times two is just correct. Uh, but like in my finals game uh, this past weekend, the card Italian actually won me the game because uh, I was I was in a a pod of two green decks. I was playing against Yeva, which is mono green, and then Rocco, which is for all intents and purposes it's a green deck. You play a lot of dorks. Your commander in the command zone is a three one. Um, and then the other deck was Five Color Sisse. So their tutors, a lot of their cards like Dockside that are developmental will also still get hit by one. Um, so I named one, and uh, the Rocco player, my friend Justin, who uh, whose cards were holding down the entire board, they had, he had us locked out on stacks, and, um, and he had a combo on board ready to roll at a moment's notice. Uh, he just started casting like his his one cost cards into it into Talion. Like he's like, oh, the card draw doesn't really matter. He was really tired, but the, he was thinking the card draw doesn't really matter. Um, it's it's like I'm gonna put my Alice Shepard in play. I'm gonna put my Esper Sentinel in play. I'm gonna get back in this game. And he took himself from like eight to one life in a single turn. Um, and then he was like, oh, what's my life total one? I guess I have to stop. But I had a Deathrite Shaman on board. So at that point, like he was just kind oh of my God. At, my, at my mercy, right? So and so, Talion is what won me the game. It put him in Deathrite Shaman range because otherwise we were going to be there for a minute. Talion's uh, lose two for me is like the most slept on part of it. Like it is an amazing try engine, mm. rivals Rhystic Study, probably better. Um, but the lose two on your own Adnaz is awful. Uh, I was in, I think, on my game four in this tournament. Some uh, the Tivit player cloned Talion, naming one when the first one was named on two. And I had to cast like three spells to interact that turn, and I lost like twelve life. Uh, and at, that, at that point, you're just like not ad nauseing anymore. I, I think too, yeah. in like in EDH, you uh, get you're walking around with your chest out because you're starting with forty life, and a lot of the like mentality is that life doesn't matter. But that incremental life loss is is it adds up. It adds up so Super quickly. Matters. And I mean, he's, he's a three four flyer to boot. Like I mean, that's you know that's relevant too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I play five five in my command zone, and sometimes that's all the card. That's the only text on the card is five five, <laughs> and, so, and like uh, it wins a like, lot of matchups. Think, yeah, it does. I think uh, I think two or three of my games came down to I just resolved two or three big creatures and just started hitting people and beat them to death with combat damage. Um, it's it's really like I think that's a great point, Chris, about the uh, like people get really cocky at forty life. Because I'm gonna be honest, I'm not sure I would play Talion at least in my my current list if it didn't have the lose two life clause. That is what really drew me to it. It's like the the draw card is really good, but the fact that it punishes your opponents really hard for taking an action and speeds you up, that I think that's what really pushes it over the edge. That's the same reason that I play just Rondiv Mizzet in my list is because uh, anytime I draw a card, which my deck does a lot. Uh, I get to shoot anything on the board for one. So sometimes it's board control, and sometimes like players are just slinging spells, and I'm just shooting them in the face so that their Atos gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I, I mean, Kenrith is the commander for that, but I feel like you're a player that does not waste uh, rules text. Like, you're playing every, <laughs> every word on that card you're going to play, right? Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, I noticed you're off Mayhem Devil, brother. Yes, yes. That was an interesting choice that I made right before, uh, two weeks before CEDH. So I didn't really have a lot of time to test it, but I've been liking it a lot. I So Mayhem Devil, was it's like a pseudo stacks piece. It punishes people for cracking treasures by deleting their board. Uh, it punishes people for doing certain infinite loops by shooting them for lethal. Uh, but it wasn't super amazing. It doesn't pitch to any force or anything like that. Um, it's hard to cast. It's only a 3-3. Three, three. There was just a lot of like, this card is really good, but this card is really mid. And it boiled down to the same evaluation that caused me to cut Thoracle years ago, which was that when was the last time I actually won a game with this card? And I was evaluating it, and I was saying, I think the last time I won a game with this card was maybe like four or five months ago. I'm never tutoring for it. I have since then pitched it to Chrome Mox at least four times that I can think of. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, this is the next card I can cut, which is great, because I was looking to add Manglehorn in anyways. Uh, and so it was a three-cost out for a three-cost in. Manglehorn pitches to Endurance. Um, and Manglehorn is a much better stacks piece than uh, Manglehorn or than Mayhem Double is because treasures entering tapped, fast mana entering tapped, just like hoses players entire turns. Like if you're playing Adnaz, I mean Jordan, you can corroborate, but you probably can't probably can't try and win no, until I, that Manglehorn is dead. I hate seeing a Manglehorn at the table, honestly. And also, I know your deck happens to love ETBs on creatures. So. I do! So that was another upside. No, that's for sure. That I feel that. Upside. I feel that. Super easy to cast, too. It's an asymmetrical stacks pieces in mid-range lists like this. I think it's yes. just, you know, it's meta these days, I think. My Dockside parasites, parasites off other people's Docksides, and it's, like, to some extent, it's easier to keep around than, than an oof. Where people are like, kill collector oof, I want to use my soul ring. People are like, well, I'll wait a turn and then my soul ring will be like the slower decks. So people will like, oh, like, wait a turn and keep it around. Yeah, they accept the L, they move on. They're not like, this is what my removal goes to. Yes, yeah, they're not deleting it the same way they're like pathing an oof or something like that. Yeah, I see that. No, I mean, I was sad to see the Mayhem Devil gone. I loved that uh, card in the list, but it, when you hear when I hear you say it like that, I mean, it makes sense for sure. Yep. Yes. It was, uh, uh, it was uh, I've really been liking it. It's been doing a lot of work. Fair enough. Um, well, yeah, list is looking great, and I know you're uh, a tweak, uh, a pruner, a tuner of the deck uh, all the time. <laughs> so, post uh, tournament, what are your thoughts? Like, I know you're looking at a few tournaments coming up here. Are you going to be making any updates? Oh, that is the question, isn't it? Uh, I, I always like to know. There, there's nothing I'm really looking at right now. Nothing from Doctor Who or any of the other sets has really been standing out to me as like noteworthy includes yet um so i'm not really not really speculating on any of the upcoming cards uh i could i might be evaluating whether or not to go onto blind obedience in a slot just more stacksy um because since no one else is playing stacks i feel like it's becoming a lot stronger right now just like you play a stacks piece it hoses everyone and now they're all just set super far back while you're allowed to advance your tempo i but, mean for you blind obedience i feel the interesting part might be the uh the what is that ability the extort the extort because you know you're talking about the incidental life loss off yes. the mizzet and talion well that's another card that does the same thing while furthering your game plan yeah, it's a definite consideration, especially now that I'm playing Enlightened Tutor. Uh, like, it just gets really easy to fetch up. Um, so that's a consideration. The other card that I'm still evaluating right now, because I didn't see it at all over the weekend, was Oko, Thief of Crowns. It's been phenomenal in practice games, where it deletes every single card that my deck doesn't want to see. Um, sometimes it sticks around for, like, an entire game. But it's, I've also 
like run into games where it's like I play it and it's literally just like a vindicate, which feels mid. So I mean that that's reasonable. Um, I had an experience this weekend that get, is keeping me hot on Oko for a while, in that it seems to be one of the very few pieces of removal that actually deals with the one ring, which oh, I, yes. yeah. I do yep. like. Yes, that is a that's a huge selling point for it. Um, but I mean, if I do just say like you know, three mana is vindicate, and that a lot of time is not good enough. At least it pitches to both forces and endurance. True. True. I, I like a uh, card evaluation that way. I well. mean, this list looks super tight. Like for you, <laughs> like on on a, on a list where the ninety nine looks pretty solved. Like, what is the evaluation you're making for something to have to come out like that? Like for Oko not to be good enough, I guess. That it really just comes down to uh like does this card do more than the other card more times? That's that's literally all it is Reps. at that point because I know what I at this point I know the philosophy of the deck, I know what I want it to do. Um I know which cards behave well and which cards behave poorly. Like Fire Covenant was in there for a minute and it it performs fantastically, but my question was does Oko perform better in more situations and so far my because that was the swap for those two was fire covenant out oko in um and so far the answer has been yes just because it's easier to pitch um it uh goes under a chrome box better it taps for colors that i actually care about um compared to black and red and it answers the one ring curse totem and Grafticker's cage on turns i need them answered whereas uh the fire covenant only answers like elish norn or linvala or like creature-based stacks so fair enough very cool um i think i only have about maybe one or two more questions left for you yeah um one where do you think the meta is going and like kind of where are we looking right now uh seems like we're talking about stacks being kind of less prevalent when we were in a, a stacks meta for quite a while it felt like um and what is your answer to that what is your preparation for that knowing that oof uh my my guess is and this is a rough speculation but my guess is that the meta is going to be shifting faster and faster as power creep always causes metas to uh but it's going to be shifting faster and faster uh shifting towards faster and faster decks that have backup plans so like we've seen a lot of results with tivit with kinnon with things like that um I think those style of decks are going to be the things to beat going forwards, where they can, they do have like a one card combo in the command zone, or they have a super fast game plan in the form of like ad nauseum or something. In like Tivit has historical things like that, uh, but if that doesn't work, they can very easily fall back and start mid ranging. I'm going to be honest. I think the fall of Blue Farm as the quote unquote best deck is it's maybe a hot take, but I think it's pretty inevitable at this point, just because the commanders don't do enough like which is wild to say but just because like your commander packs the best combos and everything into into a draw engine card shell i don't think that's going to be enough within the next year or so going forwards to just flat out designate you as the best deck because things like tivit can basically do everything that blue farm does except it can't breach but 
it gets to play much better stacks pieces that don't affect it, like Graph Digger's Cage and Curse Totem. Uh, still gets to play Containment Priest and Crazy Hosers like that. Um, and it also has a one-card combo with the Commander. So even though it's a little more expensive to cast, it's not hard to cast because Jewel Lotus is a card and there are three colorless pips on there. It's hard to remove and it's uh, it's got the, that easy combo. Um, things like Kinnon are I think are also going to be moving up because for similar reasons. Like comes out quickly, get to abuse a lot of the acceleration, like Mox Amber and things like that, Fierce Guardianship. Um, and then it ramps you into big spells really quickly. You have a one-card combo with Basalt Monolith, and then if, for whatever reason, that fails, you can always just pivot into whatever the next best Simic combo, which is probably, at this point, just Hullbreaker Horror, uh, but make infinite mana that way and just flip like really large creatures that are going to keep you alive and in the game in the meanwhile. So I think that... I think decks like that are really where the meta is going to start to look. Very cool. And I know you're not going to change your commander. So if that is what starts, <laughs> if that's what we start seeing, right? So like, what, what do you do to prepare for that? Is this list as is like loaded for bear able to take that down? No. Oof. I mean, there, there will definitely, there will definitely need to be some changes because Timid is definitely a list that I can struggle with. Um, Stunt Double is a sweet tech piece against Tivit, though, because <laughs> I can make a bigger tip. Um, yes. So, and it abuses the ward trigger and everything. So, uh, I think that there's... I think that it's a strong start to fighting those decks, but if it, if it really does start to shift that way, I might need to adjust my strategy away from more Stormy to, like, or, like, less Reanimator or something. I need to find a way to uh, play pieces that will host those decks specifically. So maybe it means that I have to figure out a way to play Containment Priest in a way that doesn't hose my entire strategy. Or like I need to pivot to more um, more artifact hate. So maybe I go off Dockside Loops entirely, crazy thought, and uh, just start playing Collector Youth in the main. Like things like that. Very cool. Just, just have to play whatever hoses them harder. Put in silver bullets and then carving out the path in your deck to make room for it, essentially. More than just yep. a single slot. Yep. Very cool. Um, excited to see where the meta goes. Thank you. I'm Yes, I'm really excited. And uh, we have a couple events coming up here. I think you folks are gonna, supposed to be uh, commentating one of the ones I'll be playing at here in the next couple of weeks, too. Oh, actually. my God. That was the most solid plug I've ever heard. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> we are going to be at the next Gabby's tournament. What are we calling this tournament? Uh, the Olympic uh, Commander Challenger Series. Yes, so uh, we are working on the streaming setup right now, um, and our goal is to capture ideally live and stream and commentate and also have uh, some recorded video after the fact with uh, commentary. Um, so it'll be very cool. This is, uh, I mean, the meta there, like just the, the player base at Gabby's is just awesome. One, everybody's super nice, but everybody is an incredible player too. So being able to actually get you know, some coverage of it. I'm very excited about and yeah, uh, not I'm, having to play against you guys and just watch you guys play really well. Also sounds great. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, any other uh, tournaments on your agenda coming up here? Uh, just the regional championships for the Pacific Northwest area. Uh, PDX nice. has done 
the Dennis the Great service of organizing. They organized a, uh, a circuit earlier this this year. Um, to so a bunch of players were able to qualify for free entry to this event. But it's going to be a hundred hundred players, hundred plus players. Yeah. Um, in Graham, Washington. So one of the biggest ones that we've seen in this area in a long time. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Topher for organizing a lot of that in the PDX server. Um, and also I think we are going to be there, so you can uh, kick our asses if we come across you. I'll look forward to it. Yeah, 100%. I do too. Um, I have one last question for you, my guy. Um, yes. Out of all the like the different parts of, and aspects of this game, of which there are many, where do you find that your spark is that actually helps you be the, as good of a player as you are? What do you think that like makes you uniquely... Or what do you think you are uniquely good at that makes you good at this game? Rather, you know, like some people are the best deck builders, or some people are like know how to take a good mulligan because they can threat assess like on the fly. Um, you know, politics. You know, where do you see yourself? Oh, that is a great question. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that I'm particularly excel in any one one area. I, I, I don't know. I, oh, I. I don't want to brag. <laughs> I feel like I'm just okay. Now's your time to brag. You literally your invitation to brag. You literally got yeah. the top four in the last two, <laughs> and you just won this most recent tournament. So brag away. Let's hear it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm very solid at most of the core components. If I had to pick one particular strength, it would probably be politicking. I think that's a really important characteristic for a control player in a four-player format. Just not even like make this deal make that deal type politics but just like making sure everyone understands what the table's looking like and guiding people to like like correctly because because i refuse to lie to people but um the just guiding their perceptions of like this is the biggest threat and like while i'm scaling up and i may be the next biggest threat but i'm not going to mention that part Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, there's there's as much incentive, right, to uh, get something that you want as there is to prevent a bad play from happening that's going to prevent, you know, yeah. the things from playing out correctly. Yes, absolutely. But I would say probably probably that, but then aside from that, I'm I, I, I'm just there to have fun. So as long as the game's fun, as long as the opponents are good, like, am I going to go away sad if I lose? Yes. But I'm also, I'm just there to fight strong opponents and have a really good time. Dude, I love that. Well, uh, thank you so much for hopping on the pod, dude. It's been great chatting and uh, getting to ask you some questions. Yeah, thanks for being yeah. here. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure to be on again. Yeah, Hope and to, uh, speak with you guys soon. Yeah, hopefully we get to uh, cover some uh, some of your gameplay coming up at Gabby's. Hopefully. All right, my guy. Uh, thank you for hopping on. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, have a great one. All right, Bye-bye. you too. Bye. See ya. We're so thankful to have you on the show, and we're so thankful to have Justin on the show as well. This was wonderful i think we should be doing doing this more often yeah let us yeah. know uh, if you guys made it through this uh like two week episode uh, interview thing if you like this format uh i really enjoyed doing it i actually thought it was great kind of picking these guys brain different kind of content for us and i think we uh, kind of learned a lot yeah if there's a player in the local community that you really like are into their gameplay and you want to know more from them uh I mean, maybe speak just... speak up in the discord and, and we'll reach out and see what we can do we're that's... doing these calls on discord it doesn't have to be local we can call yeah. anybody yeah that's anybody honestly how we got Tyler on the show was John who's one of our patrons came forward and was just like you need this dude on the show he's so funny he's hilarious and smart yeah yeah if you got anybody you want to get an interview and handsome we will talk to him of course just as long as they're full package yep Tyler's the full package for sure 
Uh, and if you do like this type of content and you want to let us know, if you're not already a part of the Discord server, which you can find a link in the description below, you can find us on YouTube where you can like, subscribe, and ring that bell for notifications. Leave a comment down below letting us know if you like this style of content. Uh, it's going to, yeah, and we love to interact, so let's have that conversation. You can also find us on all major podcasting platforms and on our Discord server. Again, description in description look there and you can also <laughs> just keep rolling dog keep rolling yeah. you're doing great it's perfect i'm rolling include all this too yeah 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 thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and and always being a supporter of the show you guys rock bye we love you pepperheads good night <laughs>